a look at news, analysis, and insight from around the Big Ten Conference. This is Big Ten Paradigm, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Mark Rogers. Welcome into another edition of Big Ten Paradigm right here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. I'm Mark Rogers the host of the Voice of College Football. Head on over to YouTube, check us out. We post videos and live streams every day talking college football with you. Again, the Voice of College Football. On this week's edition of Big Ten Paradigm, Paul Christ, 67-26 and 26 record at Wisconsin. 43-18 and 18 in the Big Ten. He's won 71% of his games in the Big Ten. Kirk Ferentz, one of the most respected coaches in the country, 58% of his games wins in the Big Ten, playing in the same division against the same competition. Paul Christ is without a job after starting the season at 2-3, and 0-2 in the Big Ten, and losing to former Wisconsin head coach Brett Bielema in embarrassing fashion in Camp Randall, 34-10. Paul Christ, excellent football coach, but without a job and a $16 million buyout. We're going to take you to a number of segments that we have posted uh, uh, during our call-in show on Sunday night, right after we received the news, speaking with callers and also Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm about Paul Christ, about the next Wisconsin coach, also the Nebraska coaching search, and the competition between the Badgers and the Huskers, not only within the Big Ten Western Division in the future, but for a next head coach, and then some other coaching angles related to Nebraska and to Wisconsin within the Big Ten, namely Iowa and Northwestern. Considering this conservative nature or the perceived conservative nature of Wisconsin football in being more measured, more patient, more understanding, and more able to withstand a poor season, a down season once in a while, I got to say that I did not have Paul Christ on a short list of hot seats. I don't know that anybody in the country had Paul Christ listed as a candidate to be fired. And so despite 67 wins and 26 losses, despite 43 and 18 in the Big Ten, despite three division championships, despite six and one in bowl appearances and four top 25 finishes and one in the top 10, Paul Christ is out at Wisconsin because the current Wisconsin edition coming off a disappointing season in which they still came within one game and one performance against Minnesota to conclude the regular season within going to another Big Ten championship game. Big Ten championship games that he's appeared in in what? 2016, 2017, 2019, three Big Ten championship games. Unfortunately, losing all three, but still Big Ten championship appearances on a fairly regular appearance, uh, regular basis. And if you asked most college football fans, the number one program, the standard for the Big Ten West, despite Northwestern winning two of the last four and Iowa winning last year and uh, Minnesota or Purdue being deemed as the teams this year, that Wisconsin's been the standard in the Big Ten Western Division, but no. Last season was disappointing. They won a bowl game to finish at 9-4. and four. And again, Paul Christ at 6-1 and one in bowl games. And bowl games, despite not having the cachet that they once did, are certainly 
cited many times on coaches' resumes as, oh, he's only three and seven in bowl games. Uh, but Paul, Paul Chris, six and one in postseason play at Wisconsin. And again, regularly getting to the Big Ten championship game and being perceived to be the program in the Big Ten Western Division, but didn't get it done last year. Finished nine and four, despite winning the key games against the key teams in the division, Purdue and Iowa lost too many other games to get to Indianapolis. Won a bowl game, finished nine and four. This season, Graham Mertz, a third season as the starting quarterback at Wisconsin. And Braylon Allen, one of the best backs in the nation. And a poor performance against Washington State as a 17 or 18 point favorite. They lose that game at home, Camp Randall Stadium. Go to Ohio State, and they are clearly not competitive in that game in any way, shape, or form. Forget the final score that it was 31 points. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even anywhere close to a 31-point game. It could have been a 100-point game. They were clueless against Ohio State. And then now it really looks bad when Brett Bielema, who back in 2011, 2011, 2012, left Wisconsin to go to Arkansas for about $1.5 million more per season, left Wisconsin to go to Arkansas, comes back, and in his first trip back to Camp Randall Stadium, Illinois, who's been the doormat of the league, blasts Wisconsin 34-10, to 10, clearly outmuscles, outplays a Wisconsin team in Madison. Bo Pelini's record at Nebraska was 66-27. and 27. Paul Chris's record at Wisconsin was 67 and 26. You know, Bo Pelini made a lot of enemies or rubbed people the wrong way. He lost a lot of big games within that division. Uh, Paul Christ hasn't lost no. big games in the division no, for the most part. Of course, he's lost games within yeah. the division, but he's advanced to three Big Ten championship games. He's gone to a Rose Bowl. So he's had the same record as Bo Pelini, but. He hasn't been embarrassed for the most part in big games. This is my hunch is that they're looking at Jim Leonard and thinking there are so many vacancies already and there are going to be more. Why not just we're, we're not in love with Paul Christ. He's a good guy. He's a good coach. We'll continue to win eight or nine games with him, but we want more. We can do better. Let's keep the guy that's going to be a future star. That's a young coach, up and comer, superstar. I feel like Nebraska and Wisconsin are going to be fighting for Lance Leipold at this point. <laughs> uh, Lance was at Wisconsin Whitewater, and I know he's very loved in that state. Um, Lance's wife is from Omaha. If you didn't know that, Lance coached in Nebraska. So, what Lance, uh, I, I don't like the position Nebraska's in because I feel like before this, Nebraska could hold out on Lance, and, but now I feel like they have to make a move quickly his stock of course was was in a good place after they played so much better at the end of last season and then coming into the season it's like uh i had people questioning why he was such a hot commodity a couple weeks ago just based on a couple wins but he keeps confirming it every weekend when they keep beating teams that they have not been beating for a long 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 time thing with lance is he's never had a great defense at any of the stops that he's been at. And at Wisconsin, Nebraska, that's going to be step one, I think. You're not surprised with Paul Christ? 
I am not. I, I think to a certain extent, this is a program that is going backwards. I don't think it's going forwards. Um, you know, they're looking at a third year in a row where they're not going to win the West, you know, and I, I think that when you look at this program, I also think they're at a little bit of a crossroads. And I wanted to throw this out to you as far as where do they see themselves as a program? I know you've interviewed Wisconsin people in the past and obviously dollars spent on football does not always produce happiness. Just ask Longhorns fans. But one would say that there's got to be maybe if you want to take that next step, a larger commitment to victories and to winning if you want to take that next step, I would think. And if you're Wisconsin, are you just happy at that nine win level and maybe winning the West, playing in a decent bowl game and being that program? Do you think that they're just a program that has kind of settled into that? I mean, do you get that feeling? I would have had that feeling more had this not happened today, but, but they are sacrificing $16 million to keep or to part ways with a coach who's capable of doing everything that you just stated. Okay. I mean, he's capable of winning nine games, 10 games, getting them to decent bowl games, yeah. but don't you think they also feel that this pro that there are people inside that program that want that program to get to a higher level or are they just you think that Barry Alvarez and and those folks are just basically feel okay we are this program we're going to achieve at this level we're not we don't see ourselves as a program that can be in the college playoff that can contend for national championships i think that today's unless there's something else involved uh, that's on the periphery of football performance. And I'm not talking about necessarily any kind of scandal, mm -hmm. but that's in addition to the football performance, unless that exists, uh, bad blood, bad relationships, that Wisconsin is telling us that we're willing to fork over $16 million mm -hmm. to cut a coach who maybe on his way to a bad season this year, whatever that mm -hmm. looks like, six and six, five and seven, maybe four and eight, whatever it's going mm -hmm. to be this year. Um, and we see other schools in the division that are on that same tier mm -hmm. that haven't achieved quite as well as Wisconsin, but have the same resources and the same advantages and disadvantages. And they allow their coaches to go through bad seasons let alone five games of a bad season. And so this is telling me that Wisconsin sees coaches being let go across the country, knows that there's going to be vacancies, knows that there's going to be really hot commodities snatched up, and maybe their own hot commodity, Jim Leonard, snatched up, and they are not satisfied with everything that you just stated. Maybe they want a younger version a more spirited, fiery version, maybe somebody who can achieve better on the recruiting path, mm -hmm. uh, but still knows the Wisconsin way in line with Alvarez, Bielema, Anderson, Christ, Wisconsin guys, Jim Leonard. Yeah, well, you, you look back upon what a 12-team playoff would have yielded the last 10 or 15 years. Wisconsin would have been a pretty major player, but they're not trending that way now. 
So they need to get back at it. It would be a horrible um, conclusion for them if during what would have been a 12-team playoff era, but wasn't, that they would have made the playoff quite a few times. And now there's a 12-team playoff, but they become Purdue, and they don't make the playoff ever. Uh, so maybe they're looking at that as well, saying, you know, we've got an opportunity uh, to change something up here. Um, and being Wisconsin um, of the last 20 years is going to be good enough to get us into a playoff. But we're slipping off of and we've slipped away from that Wisconsin. We're not that Wisconsin right now. Is is the program in a better place today than it was three years ago, four years ago, five years ago? Probably not quite. It's not falling off a cliff by any stretch, but it's probably slipping. Uh, where are we headed? Well, we're headed toward a major TV deal and media rights deal that is going to put a ton of money in our hands that we don't currently receive each year. So we have some money to play with if we believe we can get a better coach. Uh, we have a 57th ranked recruiting class that's about to be signed in two months when we should be recruiting 25 or 30 in the country, not 57. And it was 41 last year. Maybe we can get a coach who can recruit better attract players through the transfer portal because I can't really think of too many splashes. If any, that uh, Wisconsin has really made in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. So maybe they see themselves falling behind. So what about Lance Leipold? Cause I know he was a hot name for Nebraska and now he of course coached at Wisconsin whitewater. Um, so what do you think about his chances to, Go to Wisconsin. Well, there's a factor here that uh, we can throw into the mix that wasn't a factor a few years ago, and that's the thought process for any of these coaches that it may matter what league, what conference they're coaching in. Not that he's going to be without a job or he's going to be cornered somewhere that he doesn't want to be. Not to that extent, but if you coach in the SEC or you coach in the Big Ten, there's a level of security, there's a level of advancement, there's a level of prestige, there's a level of a lot of things that make it more attractive uh, going into this new era of expansion, realignment, maybe even more accelerated expansion and realignment and a 12-team playoff. So if you look at this from Lance Leipold's perspective, let's say it gets a big offer from Nebraska and a big offer from Wisconsin. Which do you think he takes? If he wants, or does he stay at Kansas? Wisconsin's been the better program for going on 20 years, but Nebraska should be the better program. I agree. I mean, I'm a Nebraska fan, so I'm going to be biased, but... Um, yeah, so I just think that um, neither one of those destinations have enough football players in their backyard. So that's no different. That's and, and maybe Nebraska's got a better opportunity to get play, to places like Texas to pull up some players than Wisconsin does. I know they're breaking ground on facilities that are supposed to be state of the art, and 
the brand, the tradition, the da, 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 fill in the blanks, all of that is in favor of Nebraska. And then by all accounts, NIL is more of a plus on the side of Nebraska. Hey guys, with the college football season heading toward the midway point, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like Bet Us. Did you know that Bet Us has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? Well, we want you to go to BetUs.com and take advantage of an offer we have with all our shows right here at the College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in. Get an additional $125 to play with, or $200 initially deposited gets you $250, and so on. And bet us also as the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, and soon the NBA, as well as almost any sport you can think of. But we know you are college football fans first and foremost, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUs.com. Check them out, BetUs.com, and remember our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUs. You bet, you win, you get paid. What about Tom Herman? Like, some of these are kind of out there, but what do you think of him? When he was hired at Texas, I thought that was a good hire. And so I was wrong, but not maybe completely wrong. Uh, because if you just look at what he did on the field, I don't know that his performance was fireable at that point. Uh, they fired him after the COVID season in which he was like a couple field goals away from maybe being in the playoff. Uh, they only went seven and three, but they lost every game by uh, a slight margin. And of course they had a big 2018 season. I, Anytime I've listened to Tom Herman talk about football and personnel and running a program, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He sounds like he's an authority. He sounds just like he's got an it factor, but he didn't succeed there. But again, arguably, I think it's there. I think there's some kind of a Texas problem that goes beyond who the head coach is uh, because we've gone now through four head coaches and none of them are winning. So Tom Herman, uh, my one question for him that I would want to hear about was apparently, you know, he wasn't the best at building relationships and being that kind of guy at a place like Texas. And, yep. and um, some coaches learn, some coaches are, you know, they can they can take their football knowledge and their ability to organize and do all the, the nuts and bolts of the job, but then they can learn about how to handle people at that level much better. I think that's what happened to Bill Belichick, and that, that's what made him a great coach with the New England Patriots when he was just a smart football coach with the Cleveland Browns. So if Tom Herman's capable of changing his ways to a certain extent, he could still become a great football coach. What about Matt Rule? Currently at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I would take Matt Rule over anybody you've mentioned. Really? Yeah. It's like over Lance Leipold? I know more about Matt Rule, and I know definitely what he's capable. Lance Leipold, 
is is showing us great things. And like I mentioned a couple times during this live stream, his his stock goes up by the weekend because he keeps proving that they can beat teams that we never dreamed that they were going to compete against. Uh, but again, I still Matt Rule going from Temple. What he did at Temple. What he did at Baylor. Yeah, I'm I'm a Matt Rule guy. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a good coach. Um, then here's one that I think has been flying under the radar. What about Jamie Chadwell from uh, Coastal Carolina? Uh, he's doing a great job there. Uh, yeah. I can't say that I really know a lot about him besides just knowing the wins and losses. Like he doesn't strike me in any particular way, like except – when he gets interviewed, uh, you know, I can think back, you know, I, I got more Jamie Chadwell, more coastal Carolina during the COVID season because of the crazy schedule and watching more of those games and there being less power five early in the season and all that. And, you know, he seems like the kind of guy who came into a situation and kind of made it his own at coastal Carolina you know, really up the status of the program, uh, got the, 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 the alumni, the, 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 uh, the student body, the, the community involved and really made it cool to be part of coastal Carolina. You know, he's got an, a kind of an engaging personality. Everybody likes him kind of thing going for him. And he obviously can run a football program, at least at that level. Uh, what about Dan Mullen? And one thing to keep in mind with these these coaching hires is there is such a thing as cultural fit. And I'm, I'm thinking more geography uh, because some guys don't adjust well to certain parts of the country. And for others, it makes absolutely no, no, no difference. They can coach in Miami. They can coach in a Pennsylvania, they can coach in Wyoming and be great. So that's something you get to kind of have a feel for, for that particular guy. Uh, Dan Mullen. Ah, oh my word. Dan Mullen. I just, for a guy that had everything going for him, he takes over at Florida. It's a great program, great tradition. You got everything you need. Although, they do need to upgrade the facilities and they're in the process of doing that. So it wasn't a perfect situation there for as, for as big time as the program is, they had some warts that he had to deal with that may have hurt recruiting. And, and we know he wasn't great at recruiting. Uh, that wasn't his thing. So man, I would really need to have an extensive conversation with Dan Mullen about recruiting and what he would do uh, in a situation at Nebraska or Wisconsin. But yeah, I I personally, after what I saw in 20, at the end of 2020 and into 21, I know Dan Mullen's really smart, really innovative head coach and developer of quarterbacks, but I wouldn't want him coaching my football program. He's a bit of a clown. <laughs> I, I can agree with that. Too many oh. clownish moments. And having a guy with personality, Lane Kiffin, yeah, like I did. I I wouldn't want to touch Lane Kiffin circa 2012, but I'll take the current Lane Kiffin because he's kept his personality, but he's learned how to not be an idiot. 
So Dan Mullins maybe not learned that. Maybe he will in the future, but I wouldn't want to be the one to take the gamble on him. Just like if you would have told me entering 2020 that uh, Dan Mullen is going to beat Georgia, win the East, give Alabama its most competitive game to the extent that we all knew Alabama was the best team in the country, but Florida played them extremely well in the SEC championship game. I would have said, and this is, you know, he took over that program and they went New Year's six bowl game, 10 wins, New Year's six bowl game, 11 wins. And then the season I just outlined, but he's also going to um, basically bail on a bowl game and say, you know, he wants nothing to do with it. This is not his team. Uh, when at the same time, Mac Brown's coaching at the orange bowl without his two best receivers, two best running backs, best defensive player, Chas Arad, and kept his mouth shut and coached up his team to compete with Texas A&M to the final minute of the Orange Bowl. That's what a coach is supposed to do. Not complain and gripe and say, it's not my team. I don't know what's going to happen. And then they obviously were unprepared and they got embarrassed on national TV in the Cotton Bowl. And then that parlays into the 21 season where you know, he wears the Darth Vader costume and he goes out in the middle of the field against Missouri and acts like a fool. And then he he complains at a news conference. Well, that was the previous season when there was like 18,000 people in the stands that uh, they lost because of the crowd noise at Texas A&M and on and on and on in the shoe thing. And, uh, you know, he can't control a player doing something stupid on the field, but then he denies it and says he didn't see it. And I don't know what happened and just. Yeah, too much, too many clownish moments from Dan Mullen for me to be involved with him. Yeah, I agree with that. Now I know you've got some people waiting, so just a few quick ones. One, I've seen people talking about him in chat. What do you think of Deion Sanders? Oh, man, you talk about a wild card. And I don't say that in a negative way. Yeah. Uh, because I think he's he's in the process of proving himself. Um, But, man... That is an ultimate home run hire, but I'm not going to call it a boom or bust hire. I think it's a boom hire, but then maybe it just doesn't turn out, not because he can't get the job done. Um, yeah, I would want to know a little bit more about how somebody can run an organization, but he's been doing it for a couple of years now. But you talk about an ultimate it factor with recruiting year olds and recruiting yeah. them cali football fans the season seems to get better each and every week the matchups are ridiculously good and getting better now that we're in conference play you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices and we want to make sure you take advantage of ticket smarter and their mobile app we know that buying college football tickets online requires trust and ticket smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best Prices in the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. 
And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all our podcasts here on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just a one-time deal. No. Use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter. And remember our code, GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. So what about Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle, two coaches that seem to come up with every open position? Yeah, um, they're both great. They're both really good. Uh, I'm more sold slightly on Luke Fickle because what I what I find interesting about Matt Campbell's ascension is it's hit a ceiling. Now, that might not be his fault. That might be the school. That might be the football program. He may never make Iowa State a 10-win team. But he made them a seven or eight win team like that. And now he's pretty much, that's where they're settling. So again, I'm not blaming him for that. That might be the best that Iowa State's capable of. I think he's really good at what he does. And I I would definitely, if I'm Wisconsin or Nebraska, he would be near the top of my list. Luke Fickle would probably, out of everybody you just mentioned, who did I say was at the top? Matt Rule. I would replace Matt Rule with Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle would be one. Matt Rule would be two. Campbell would be three. Yeah. Okay. Then I've got four left real quick, and these are way out there, like basically no chance, but I thought they'd be kind of fun to bring up. Uh, Mike Leach. Man, he just doesn't seem like the coach at Wisconsin. <laughs> But that yeah. doesn't mean anything. That's just an observation that means nothing. Uh, you talk like... about an overhaul of an offense. Yeah. Oh, my word. <laughs> that would be something. That, you know, suddenly, yeah, Wisconsin is uh, running the air raid. They're, <laughs> Instead of the... they're Washington yeah. State slash Texas Tech. Yeah. That would be, that would be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it really man, you talk about a culture shock from a... X's and O's standpoint, he would have to take a roster and it might be really strange for a year or two, but man, Mike Leach. He, he seems to move somewhere every few years, almost Texas tech to Wazoo and then Washington state to Mississippi state. Well, right now he's operating with the best talent he has ever been able to coach in his career. And, but he's also facing the best talent he's ever had to face every week in his career. There, he may be able to get the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. He may be able to have roughly Mississippi State kind of talent, but be facing not Alabama and Texas AM and LSU every week. Yep. Oh, man, Mike Leach. You know, all you have to do is say this. And, and maybe this is changing because Joey McGuire looks like he knows what he's doing at Texas Tech. Early returns are decent. But I never, Texas Tech is not on my radar for being like a top 25 team. Mike Leach finished in the top 25 five of his last six seasons 
yep. at Texas Tech. And then he goes to Washington State, and that was a three or four win team for a decade. And look where they know, were under him. Ex except for having an issue beating Washington the last weekend of the season. Had he done that, he would have went to a couple Rose Bowls. He had an 11 and two top 10 finish at Washington state. The guy can just flat out get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, Then of course I got to bring him up. Urban Meyer. Do you think there's any chance he goes to Wisconsin or between like Auburn, Arizona state, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Georgia tech out of all these, which one do you think he's most likely to go to? Ooh. Uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. I think. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah, too. Georgia Tech. He's not coaching in front of thirty-five or 40,000 people. No, I, I just, it's not. It would be intriguing because of the recruiting ground there. But, yeah, I just, I don't think they could ramp up that program fast enough for him and everything he would need. Urban Myers, he's just in a different category than all those other dudes for this reason. He's got the best winning percentage in history and he wins the national championship. So like, I think he thinks like the rest of those guys are thinking opportunity. What's the money? Do I want to live there? And it's a great step in the right direction. I think Urban Meyer probably thinks Unless he really just wants to coach again, he thinks, I'm a national championship coach. Is this a national championship place? They have to give me facilities. I got to know that I can recruit. I got to know that I'm making top dollar. I'm getting a coaching staff that makes top dollar. It's all got to be there. And it seems like Nebraska checks all those boxes, except for I don't know if he would look at that situation and think man can i bring players there i mean he's urban meyer i think he can bring players anywhere you, you think yeah i i would i'm right there with you i get it but he's got to like bring like top three classes in the country there true let's acknowledge the big difference between the situation in iowa and the situation with wisconsin Besides yep. the fact that Wisconsin simply has had more success under Paul Christ in the last however many years he's been there than they've had under Kirk, uh, and that's that's not debatable. Uh, Wisconsin has been – can we agree on that, Mark, without even looking up the numbers that Wisconsin has been more successful since Christ has been there than Kirk has in the same period? I've got it ready for you right here. Keep okay. going. Well, I, I guess my point is the major difference is Jim Leonard. And Iowa does not have a Jim Leonard. So Wisconsin can feel comfortable making this move. I don't know what Paul Chris's role on this is. If, if he's indicated to them that he's close to wanting to hang it up. I don't know how old Paul Christ is anyways. But the move makes sense if you are feeling, you know, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're aware. If, if Jim Leonard's been contacted by Nebraska, for instance, they're aware of that. And if they really believe that Jim Leonard is their, their next head coach, I mean, heck, it could have been a situation where Paul Christ is, – is it crazy to think that Paul Christ may actually be okay with this? I mean, if he's he's got a relationship with Jim Leonard, I'm not saying that Jim Leonard's like a son to Paul Christ, but but if Paul Christ is a year or two away from retiring and he's just kind of lost the zeal to coach and he's going to get this, this big buyout, uh, which I don't know if you saw this, but Evan Flood, who's a Wisconsin reporter – tweeted out about an hour ago that it's a lot bigger 
the uh, the final number is a lot bigger than is being reported. Um, and the Wisconsin AD wanted to make make that clear to people that they're compensating Chris uh, as best they can. I just wonder if this is not more strategic. And let's be honest, Wisconsin does weird things with 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 their head coaches. And I'm, I'm guessing if I look back, this was when Barry Alvarez was still the, the AD, but Mark, I know you don't follow college basketball, but Bo Ryan retired. If I recall, like two weeks into his uh, final season at Wisconsin. And it was a weird time to retire, but he retired so that Greg guard could take over mid season. And you know, it just, he kind of, I, th- I felt like he kind of manipulated the situation so that he could force Wisconsin to make guard the coach and give him a chance. And Greg guard is still the head coach there. So I don't know. They just handle things weird, even though, you know, you think of Wisconsin as being kind of a Iowa prototype. Wisconsin, how many, how many head coaches has Wisconsin had over the past 20 years? They are not the same as Iowa at all. Iowa, you know, you, you look at Iowa, they don't have a, They'd love, I think Kirk would love to have a guy that, that they could fall back on like Jim Leonard. But Bill, who's the young guy on that staff, Mark, that Kirk wants to be like, who, who is the guy on that staff that Kirk would desire to be Jim Leonard-esque? Well, the one guy that he would desire to be is clearly not <laughs> that's what I'm, saying, that's what I'm saying. So you you don't have anybody. And anybody would say, well, if we, you know, Kirk retires, you can promote Phil Parker. Phil Parker is not much younger than, I don't even know how old Phil is. But Wisconsin, I mean, I think in the long run, we'll see. But I don't really think this is that high risk. I really don't. With Chris Age, as shocking as it was to everybody, with Chris Age, I don't think it's that high risk. Because of who you have to fall back on, you're falling back on a young guy who knows the program, who literally, I think, is probably going to be a plug-and-play type guy. Um, now, with that being said, they have not been very good defensively this year, Mark. Can we no. acknowledge that for a second? Of course. Um, so now, now, granted, they've <laughs> played the best offense in the country in Ohio State and a pretty darn good run game in, in Illinois. But, um, you know, in, in answer to JW's other question about would Bielma come here? We, you and I have discussed that. I, I think he absolutely would come here. Now, Don Patterson and I had a conversation about this the other day because he got brought up and somebody wanted to know, you know, Don's opinion on that. Would Bielma come to Iowa if that job opened up? Don actually doesn't think he would simply because he thinks that Brett is a very loyal guy and he wouldn't do that to Illinois. But I I, I don't know. Brett. I mean, Don knows Brett Bielma personally, obviously, but I, I just would have to think there's too much cachet in coming to back to his alma mater. And, you know, the times have changed. And and I look at look at what happened with Jay Norvell. I mean, he goes from Nevada to Colorado State. Literally, literally their arch rival within the conference and takes sure. 11 transfer portal players with him. So switching teams, switching programs within a conference, even though you, you might not think it's ethical, is sort of the way of the of this new age of college football. Yeah, so Don Patterson's um that that's his hang up is within the conference because it didn't yes. it didn't uh, prohibit Brett from leaving Wisconsin to go to Arkansas. Right. It's it his big okay. thing is he does, Don doesn't feel that it's 
And I understand where Don's coming from. I think a lot yeah, of I do too. coaches sure. feel that way, but I'm just saying anymore, you know, Jay Norvell's an Iowa guy <laughs> and he did it. That's, I guess that's why I bring it up. And there've been other examples. Uh, I'm sure you could think of some um, of that happening. Think of all sorts of coaches that have coached for multiple teams in the same conference. Well, jumping, jumping from one and not, you know, literally going from one within yeah, the conference to another. Yeah, that's, that's a bit more rare. Sure. It's very rare. Frankly, it's rare for, for it has been rare up until recently for players to jump within the conference. Yes. So um, I, I long story short, I guess an answer to that question, I, I think Brett Bielema would come back. Um, but I'm with you, Mark. I, I didn't listen to the first part of your live stream, but from things I've been reading here, it sounds like you – you are in uh, agreement that this is their way of just kind of speeding along the process and, and ensuring that they can hold on to Jim Leonard, correct? Yeah, that's how it hits me. That's how it adds up. Yeah, that there are a lot of job vacancies already. This is unprecedented. There may be more. I just listed like seven or eight coaches that could be fired in the next few weeks. and they have a coach who's who's done a nice job but they have a star uh, a guy who's respected across the country who could have been the packers defensive coordinator and they they want to keep him uh, he, he could have been other he's had other head coaching opportunities mark right i mean there's no i don't think there's any question there's other the top tier there's power five programs that i guarantee you have reached out wanting to hire jim leonard yeah, I don't know about any specific ones, but yeah. Like I don't know, I don't know what those are, but sure that they've reached out to him. But again, you know, I just if it's not that, if it's not the ultra, you know, the ultimate view of security with Jim Leonard and having that young young personality that's well respected within the program and and, and acknowledging the fact that Paul Christ is likely close to leaving anyways. Like if if it was just a matter of we're not happy with nine and four and because we started one and two in the conference, which included a loss to, to maybe the best team in the country in Ohio State, if if that was the standard that Wisconsin's setting, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, so I just that doesn't make any sense at all. And yeah. Don't don't tell me for a second that that Barry Alvarez doesn't still have his fingers all over that program. Yeah, and absolutely. although this move doesn't make much sense. And I did see somebody in, in the Nebraska media tweet this out, Mark. Um, is it Dirk Chatelaine? He's I think he's with the Omaha World Herald. Um, he uh, compared Chris's record to, to Bo Pelini's record. So from 2008 to 2014, Pelini went 66 and 27. Yep. From 15 to 22, Chris went 67 and 26. So almost identical. Yes. But but you acknowledged this to our previous caller. The big difference there, Paul Christ and Bo Pelini could not be more opposite human beings. Yes. All right. <laughs> and and, and also, I Chris was able to do that without getting embarrassed on a regular basis by the better teams in the conference. That was a Pelini hang up was his nine and three at the end of the year typically was won all the games he should win. So great. He held serve, but embarrassed blown off the field by 
two of the three losses. And that's not Chris. Not up until this year. You're right. I, I think the the ultimate thing was Bo Pelini was so unlikable. Yes. And when you pair that with the expectations in Nebraska, that made sense. They didn't have somebody in waiting. They went out and hired Mike Riley. I mean, you know, just completely different situations. I don't think, again, without being able to prove that. Now, if they go, if they, you know, Jim Leonard ends up being the head coach at the, you know, they name him the permanent head coach, then it will all make sense. I still think some people will think it's odd that they made the move when they did, but we don't know exactly what's going on behind closed doors. But I don't, Paul Christ, I just know Kirk Ferentz has tons of respect for Paul Christ. I had a short conversation with Coach Patterson when I heard the news. He's got tons of, you know, he feels bad for Paul Christ. He is a well-respected individual in college football, Mark. Sure. And, uh, you know, another link to Iowa, John Budmeyer, as Iowa's analyst, who was previously Paul Christ's quarterback's coach when, um, was it Jack Cohn and um, trying to think of the other guys that he coached there, but uh, previously Colorado state's offensive coordinator as well. He's a huge Paul. That's the reason John, I have reason to believe that's why John Budmeyer is on the Iowa staff is because Paul Christ gave him a huge, huge endor- endorsement to Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. So I guarantee you, this is a, uh, this blindsided a lot of people in- inside the Iowa program, but uh I don't know. It's just like, can you imagine a scenario, Mark, where Iowa loses to, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting this never going to happen. I'm not, but I'm just imagine a scenario for a second. Iowa loses Saturday to Illinois. And by the way, they're underdogs. So they lose on the road at Illinois on Saturday, which means that would make them one and two in the conference. And correct me if I'm wrong, that isn't that what Wisconsin is? They're 0 and 2. Yes. They're 0 and 2, aren't they? Okay. So, but I was one and two in the conference with an abysmal offense. And then you wake up Sunday morning and the announcement is that Kirk Ferentz has been let go. Can you imagine, like, just, just laugh for me for a second. Can you laugh? Can, can you just, because <laughs> that's how ridiculous it is. Kirk Ferentz is an institution at Iowa. Paul Chris has not reached that status just based on longevity. But as I'm okay. outlining here on the banner below, and it's not necessarily a completely fair comparison, but hey, they coach in the same division and they coach against the same teams every year. Again, Chris since 2015, Kirk since 1999, but a 58% winning percentage against over 70% in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I even said this earlier to someone, and again, I'm not advocating for it. Kirk can go five and seven mark they can go five and seven this year and they might <laughs> well guess what he, he will not there will be no heat anywhere within a hundred mile radius of kirk ferentz and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i don't think it's so much the five and seven because they just went 10 and two regular season 10 and four big 10 championship game appearance and a top 20 finish uh, and he's built up so much equity. It's it's this offense. It's this lack of addressing a critical need on a football team that is so glaring to anyone who has ever watched a football game in their lifetime. That's just <laughs> so incredible. Let me just tell you something, Mark. This is something I had a conversation with a good pal of mine earlier today. 
this is what we're going to see the rest of the year. I'm just telling you this right now, buddy boy. We're going to see a situation where Iowa each week is going to look probably a little bit better. Now, factoring in competition, there are going to be games. I mean, I don't expect that Ohio State game to be all that competitive, frankly. Which, which they did this past week. You know, they they yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'll just yeah. mention that you know I was I was in on that game. That was my number one game till twenty to nothing, and I'm like, okay, I got so many other games to watch. I'm out. You know, I'll see if something happens, but obviously nobody expects Iowa to come back from twenty to nothing down. I flip back. I, I I caught it at twenty to seven when Iowa has had made that eighty some yard drive to that. Uh, I caught it a couple plays before that ill fated fourth and two call inside the five yard oh, line, and I'm thinking, <laughs> score here. It's twenty to fourteen, and they still right. have time to get a stop and get the ball. I can't I know. Wait to see this finish. Yeah. Well, and and then we can talk about running a play for a yard and a half and then a quarterback that throws the ball at the tight end's feet to where he can't even make the catch on his feet. We won't talk about it. Let's save that crap for Tuesday. But my point is, Mark, my point is, you know, each week they're going to get a little bit better and they looked better in the third quarter Mm -hmm. because again, we said this during the off season, you can't get worse than 123rd. Well, we were wrong. You can get worse. They are now one. They've been 131. Well, guess what? They're now 130 in the country. They passed Colorado State. Okay. So they're like 0.6 yards per game ahead of Colorado State. And I understand total offense is not the end-all, be-all. It's not the perfect statistic for measuring an Iowa offense, especially with what the defense gives you and and cutting down on possessions because the defense is scoring. I get that. had that argument before. But they are one of the worst offenses in the country. You could argue the worst in the Power Five. I think likely to be the worst in the Power Five. So my, my point is, they are going to get better each week because it's it's I don't know how you can get worse than what they were doing against South Dakota State and against Iowa State. And so that's kind of the crutch now, Mark, for Iowa fans. That's kind of the crutch because each week now you're going to hear. Well, we 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 feel like we're heading in the right direction. We're making strides. I saw improvement today. I thought Spencer hit you know, through some nice balls today. So we've, we've set the bar so low. Our expectations are so low. We've set it so low this early in the season. That's the rest of the year. Unless the change was, unless the change was made yesterday or less, unless the change was made Friday. And I'm talking about a quarterback change. There's not going to be a change because the bar was set so low. At least that's the, that it, does that make sense, Mark? That's the, oh. the, feel I get from this earlier tonight I was invited on a show and uh the Iowa offense was uh brought up and uh so I was uh, tabled with that conversation and I didn't take it on with near the the knowledge and so forth as you but we were talking about developing quarterbacks and I I was just astounded to pull up not that I haven't seen it before but um the Spencer Petrus uh quarterback list from his recruiting class and the guys that ranked just below him, like in the next 10 spots was astounding. Yeah. Sam Hartman, Will Levis, Brennan Armstrong, Brock Purdy, Jordan Travis, Zach Wilson, Cam Rising. I was like, oh my word. 
Now, what the research needs to be maybe from here on, and you would be so much better at this than me, but maybe this is a video idea. I got, I got to look through any semi-successful quarterback, whatever the status of the quarterbacks post the, the really good ones, the first three that Kirk had in the 2000s. And have they developed these guys? Was Nathan Stanley developed? You know, I'm not putting the, the lack of development just at the coaching staff's feet for this one player, this one quarterback, because that could be Spencer Petrus not developing his own skills and not meeting expectations. That happens all over the place for every program. But if it's a trend where there are quarterbacks being recruited and signed that are supposed to be coming out of high school better than like 10 quarterbacks of that caliber, if that's happened repeatedly, then that tells us something. Well, and, and you know, that's why the conversations about players that go other places and have success why that or go to the NFL and have more success, much more success than they ever had at Iowa. That's why those conversations are relevant. And I understand that players from Iowa quarterbacks have not gone to the NFL. Well, they are not developed and it's much easier to go to the, to uh, college or even the NFL out of high school. And again, guy, no, understand guys aren't jumping to the NFL from high school. But my point is wide receivers can play early, as you know, and be NFL ready quicker than a quarterback can be and you know even with wide receiver Iowa hasn't put what has Iowa done as far as producing receivers but I mean look at Tyler Goodson here's a kid who uh, was a fairly highly touted running back and I think he was I hate to say this but a bit misused last year um, and frankly probably should have made the Packers 53-man roster this year uh, he ran for a ton of yards last year because they ran him a ton and he was a workhorse, but probably not a guy you want running between the tackles. We've talked about George Kittle, and this is why Charlie Jones, the storyline with Charlie Jones is, I don't know how it's not relative to the conversation because it's not just quarterback. Um, I, I have no doubt that if Spencer Peters were somewhere else, he would be better. I'm not saying he'd be great. I still think he is what he is to an extent. But when you look at the track history that you just noted, yes, guys, guys, talents are wasted here. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Big Ten Paradigm. Join all the shows. We've got college football covered coast to coast right here on our network, College Gridiron Coast to Coast. So check out all the podcasts and check me out on The Voice of College Football. We upload videos every day, live streams, call-in shows every day at the Voice of College Football on YouTube. See you next time.